Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live. This is Graham Brown from Asia Tech Podcast. We are at level three on a Monday morning with three happy faces. I'll introduce you to the team in a minute. Why are we here? We're talking about the Singapore ecosystem, innovation, startups, and any vibrant ecosystem requires many stakeholders. So to maybe go beyond and understand a little bit of the backstory between, behind those uh, uh, stakeholders, I've brought here today three from Level 3, Padang & Co. and Unilever. Maybe we can have uh, a little bit of an introduction first. We'll go around the table. And then we'll talk about your stories, what you're trying to achieve here at Level 3. And um, for those that don't know Level 3 yet... Let's talk about where you are on the map and what you're trying to achieve here. Um, a little bit of context to this, we're on a tour of co-working spaces and accelerators in Asia. And we want to get to know the people behind the ecosystem. So we've recently featured angel investors and VCs on our shows, and we celebrated some of the best Asian startups in which 7,000 people voted in our recent poll. But what of the heroes that fly below the radar? Those with their heads down, they're busy in the weeds of innovation, often not natural self-promoters. So now's your chance. In front of the mic, let's go round the table. A quick round, Robin, a quick intro. Barbara, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Good to have you here. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about you. So Barbara Gerpion. Yes. From Unilever. Yep. Comment ça va? Mm -hmm. Très bien. Merci. Très bien. En français? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. So you work at Unilever. Your background, interestingly, I was interested to learn, is that you've worked quite extensively in startups. So startups or a small company at that time, like uh, I arrived in Singapore 17 years ago. Mm. I've done a couple of things, but at that time you didn't call small companies startups. Right. So I think the spirit is the same. Very innovative, mm -hmm. dynamic companies. Yep. Yep. So you come from that world. So sometimes people, you know, you've seen the best of both worlds really in the startup world, the small company, innovative world, and the large corporate as well. So hopefully you'll give us some perspective today about that bridge between the yep. two. Yep, I will. Okay, Adam, Adam Lyle, welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, good. So you are the chairman of Padang Co? Uh, yes, I'm uh, the executive uh, chairman. Derek and I sort of created uh, Padang together with uh, our third co-founder, Daryl Arnold. Yeah. Uh, so we split the duties, but uh, uh, I'm the executive chair curious to know where the name comes from. Padang? Yeah. Well, I'll let Derek uh, take that because he, he was the, the master of uh, the naming, so I'll let Derek answer that question. Derek, you've been called in. Derek Chang? Yeah. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Padang & Co., where does that come from, the name? Um, so what we wanted to do was to find a name that was truly local mm. and yet um, gave us this opportunity to expand regionally. Um, and it, it all started when we, we sort of listed the, the attributes of, of Padang & Co, uh, the company that was, uh, we we're going to create. Um, and um, we said, you know, things like open and, you know, big feel, people to play with and in the heart of the city and things like that. And then we reali I realized that um, we were describing the attributes of Padang, the feel. Mm. And, well, can and you explain that? So some of the listeners will be outside of Singapore, okay. so they might not be so up to date with the local vernacular. Um, so there is a there's a there's a 
big open green field in the heart of the city in Singapore. Mm. And it's called the Padang. And in Malay, it actually means green open field. Ah. Um, that's that's what we sought to create. And um, we really like the fact that it's, um, it's, a, it's a very local name. And um, sometimes we... we talk to um, our, our friends in the region and people say oh we have a Padang in Indonesia mm. and we also have a Padang in, in KL so uh, I think that's a name that really stuck with us uh, quite quickly nice I like it I didn't know that mm. thank you good well we'll talk about that in the context of innovation and how important that as well it's bringing in corporates into that space as well that's always a challenge isn't it level three what is level three? So we're sitting in level three today. I mean, it's a really nice space. I don't know. Can I say co-working space? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So it's a really nice co-working space. I like the design, the architecture. It's in a great place in Singapore. What is level three? If I walk around level three, what will I see? Barbara. So are you based here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm based um, out of level three or level seven. It depends who I need to talk to. Uh, that's the the beauty of being uh, in the middle of the two worlds, corporate and both startups. But I think uh, yes, um, level three is a co working space where people are working together, mm. uh, talking to each other, uh, meeting with each other, having great coffee uh, there, <laughs> where they want to build something, whether it's your own company or whether it's a developing project together with Unilever. Mm. So um, we. We started initially by creating that co-working space, but we have very quickly evolved into building something. We realized we were actually building an ecosystem for startups because working together is not enough. You need to give startups all um, the tools and, and the network and people that they need to to, to build successful um, businesses. Mm. So Level 3 is just a bit more than a co-working space. It's an ecosystem uh, close to a corporate which can give a lot of opportunities to anyone coming here. What's the difference between a co-working space and an ecosystem? What are the extra parts that added on to level three? I think the fact that the co-working space is sitting right at the heart of our original headquarter, mm. it's make make very big difference compared to the other classic ecosystem because what we are bringing on top of that is a market we're bringing expertise, we're bringing connection, we're bringing network and giving opportunity to startups to develop their product within a, I like to say, a business environment. Mm. So that would be the main, main difference. And an ecosystem, it's basically different parties talking to each other and trying to work together and benefiting from each other. Mm. When you mean in the heart of the HQ, you mean... You guys are upstairs, right? Yeah. You're four floors up. Yep. I mean, how important that is for corporates as well. Many corporates, they get sort of trapped in the ivory tower, don't yep. they? And they, they don't go out. You know, victims of your own success, the world comes to you, right? So it's a very good uh, point. And uh, remember that when we started the journey, um, since you've seen the space, and if anyone comes here, you will notice the staircase. Mm. When we started uh, the journey on creating that environment for startups to work together, but also an environment for Unilever people to come down mm. and meet with the startups, well, very quickly, um, the question was, what do we do with the staircase? We have to remove the staircase and close off the ceiling, which was a natural you know, behavior of a big corporate thinking, well, mm. if we are going to rent out this space to people who are, do not belong to Unilever, we have to close it off. I'm like, yeah, but hold on a second. We are here trying to build a collaborative space. People need to talk to each other. We don't want to become a new tenant. Mm. 
Mm. We want to give that opportunity. So we did have our little fight internally. Uh, but I must say that I um, quickly convinced the management that we have to keep the door open and the staircase open. Yeah, that's a good battle one, yep. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody I speak to in the corporate space in innovation is fighting a corner, fighting an internal battle. They're the change makers mm. who can create change within the organization. And often at the beginning, they're the ones that people don't believe in, but then they create a change within a department and it spreads. And these are very typical. I've seen it in places like Intel. I've seen it in Telenor where they've created these innovation spaces. And whoever is championing innovation has to fight a battle, right? Because that's the future of the organization. The, the success of the company innovation depends on those people winning those battles, right? So great. So we're off to a positive. I mean, how about it from Padang & Co? Tell us a little bit about Padang & Co and Level 3, what the relationship is there for those people that don't know. Right. Well, Padang & Co is an innovation catalyst. That's how we describe ourselves. So we're all about matching startups, entrepreneurs with MNCs and, and government. Um, all about uh, increasing innovation capability, utilizing a whole range of open innovation tools. That's what Padang is about. And uh, we had a relationship uh, with Unilever Foundry as their scout in Asia. And then it came to say, well, how do we take it to the next level? As Barbara was describing, the space became available. And so we work very closely with Unilever in curating um, the startups that come here. But most importantly, I think this to what makes this an ecosystem is uh, we have five pillars, five themes that we work on here at Level 3. Uh, and Padang uh, works very hard at uh, pursuing those and delivering against those particular pillars, attracting the right people, uh, developing events around those pillars. Um, and so ourselves and Barbara, you know, work, you know, day to day uh, working on what does the space need to be? What's next? How do we go about it? So mm. it's a very close relationship. Um, the way that uh, we help the startups and how we connect them, uh, all the things that we do. And we have learned on the way. Yes. I mean, we have to remember this, that the, we had a vision. We had an ambition, but we had no clue how to do it. Neither uh, Adam, Derek, or I have run a co-working space before. Uh, so it was a big bet on experimentation. Uh, but I think even if I'm the corporate, they are the innovation guys close to the startups. Mm. But both of us have uh, the same um, uh, passion for, yeah. for startups. I've been an entrepreneur as well. And I think we wanted to make an impact for Unilever, mm. but also for the startup ecosystem. So we have to remember that we we didn't have a plan. We had a vision mm. and we tried, no, it's true, and we tried uh, yeah. to execute it. how it works in the startup yeah. world, right? And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the when that was formed. So you didn't have a plan, you had a vision. None of you had built a co-working space before. Did your backers know everything about, did you have all that on the table or were you faking it? What was the, how did it all sort of come together? So there is one thing that we, and, and I can come back to that later probably when you talk with other, co-working, uh, other corporates doing innovation. Mm. Um, at the very beginning of Level 3, you had Unilever Foundry. Mm. So Unilever Foundry is the um, uh, platform for Unilever to connect with startups 
and startups to connect Unilever. We're a big organization. Uh, it's difficult to know who's who, who's doing what. So we are here to help uh, the startup to connect with the right people. And my day-to-day -day job is to understand what are the... Um, Uh, what the brands are working on internally or the functions are working on internally and identify gaps where we think that technology can help so we don't reinvent the wheel internally. It started with this. Mm -hmm. And we were two years and a half in a journey in Asia uh, with Foundry, delivering pilots, delivering impact to Unilever. So that was the starting point. And we have proven to Unilever that Foundry was making an impact to the business. So why not to go a step further um, and try something bigger mm. how does that proof take place because that's such a an important question for those delivering innovation internally is how do you prove to a large corporate that something like foundry starting mm. off delivers value to Unilever? i think it starts by defining what's the mission of foundry and what the objective of foundry mm. and i believe that foundry has two two objective it's about discovery technology discovering technology and identify that um, how those technology can help us to do better business but it has also another element which is changing the way people are working changing the way people mm. are thinking of what's happening outside and embedding outside in So with those two elements of what Foundry is, you can measure impact by looking at how many pilots we have done. So which means how many people inside the organization was open enough uh, to take some risk and to experiment working with startups. And the other thing is um, how many technology or startups we have scaled across the organization. To date, we have done globally 170 pilots, 45 of them scaled up. And scale means that you have worked with more than 10 brands or um, eight markets mm -hmm. for a company which is uh, present in 190 countries and uh, with 400 brands. So where does Level 3 fit into that mission? How does it help with scaling up? So um, Level 3 is not about only about scaling up. Mm. It's about helping startups to develop products that can have a market. So, you know, we forget a lot sometimes that you have the startups that are great entrepreneurs, great technology, you have the big corporates, but in the big corporation, there is expertise, mm -hmm. there is knowledge, there is market, there is reach, and there is scale. So as long as the two understand that we can deliver as much value as a startup can deliver to us and help them to work together, then we will benefit from it. Mm. Startup can scale because they have access to those markets and people who can help them to understand how to build better product. And we get the benefit of trying new technology, doing more different business in our, in our region. Okay. So and it's the, the physical space just for, for people to have somewhere to come mm. uh, and work together and see one another. There's the serendipity that happens of people just bumping into somebody who could be a global brand manager ha having a coffee at the coffee bar mm. and they meet someone. Or the, the community drinks that we have or the community lunches, it's of the bumping into one another factor is really great. Or people just saying, oh, have you heard of? And it's just mm. this osmosis yeah, um, that can happen yeah. uh, and that's the exciting uh, thing about it and also just in the last 12 months one of the pillars that w uh, we have is um, food and agri-tech and there wasn't really any one place in Singapore where food at people interested in food tech and agri-tech could sort of come uh, and so over the last 12 months we've sort of created 
level three is the space uh, to be and to come if, if you're interested in food and agri-tech. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you take a desk here or a suite here, but we're running a series of events. We've created a new uh, platform called Haifa.Asia, uh, which is, again, another way for people to connect. So it's about, uh, you know, because with the digital world, we get very digital and we can be remote, but it's very important uh, to focus on the physical side of things. And that's what makes it exciting, vibrant, and really an ecosystem of things happening. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's such an important point, isn't it? We, A lot of us exist in the digital world, especially a lot of companies are purely digital these days. Yet the analog online versus offline, the offline space is where the magic really happens. You talk about osmosis, you talk about, you know, trying to prevent those barriers happening with the staircase between Unilever and Level 3. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think it's underrated and often it's unknown as, as a major factor in innovation. You talked about creating small events, networking here, you know, informal. It's the water cooler moments. Which yeah. are, it's, it's very difficult to structure in a way, isn't it? That, you know, you should speak to that guy in, you know, product development or have you met this person over here? And a lot of it is, is quite informal, isn't it? Is, is there a structure behind it? Can you make it happen? I think I think you, you you're kind of um, looking at it in the right way. You you need both. You need some organic element, and people are meeting with each other. I mean, we have to remember that we are people. We are human beings. And when someone wants to do the pilot with a startup, at some point there is a deci- decision from someone who wants to say yes, okay, I'm going to work with this startup. Mm. It's a human decision, and and we tend to f- to forget that element. So um, the way we, we, we look at it, and, and that's not coming from me, but from a startup who shared that uh, with me, she said she's working with in Level 3 and also working through Unilever Foundry. And she said, well, actually, Unilever Foundry is the kind of the formal process for us to engage with Unilever. There is a real brief, there mm. is a real opportunity, and we have a pilot. But Level 3 is the organic element of getting to meet people. And she ran into two or three brand managers informally having coffees and chats. And then she had the final formal meeting where Mm. then the engagement starts. So um, I think we try to structure structure it in order to give the opportunity for people to meet at the right time in the right place. They need some help, Mm. but we try not to overdo it, I think. Derek? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we actually create a lot of uh, different types of events um, from you know, lunchtime talks to really big sort of um, uh, fireside chats and everything else in between. And um, sometimes uh, they work. Um, sometimes the lunchtime talks are oversubscribed. Sometimes no one shows up. And we have to ask ourselves why. Is it um, because the topic is not interesting enough or the, you know, the, the way the startup is describing itself is, is not uh, interesting enough to the Unilever folks? So we're still mm. learning. Um, we're still learning after two years of doing this. We're still learning what works to attract them. Um, and and to to really get them to be engaged with the content here, uh, but we're also sort of realistic that that not everything will you know be be interesting to a lot of people at Unilever. So we do create a lot of uh, activities that um, other people will come into. To Adam's point, um, you know, food and agri tech. There are not that many people upstairs um, who are involved in that particular topic, but. To the few people who are interested mm. in that topic, it's really important because there's nowhere else in Singapore where they can engage in the topic. Mm. 
Yeah. What are the challenges in this space? You have, for example, you worked in small innovative companies or the startup world as well, and a part of your life, I'm, I'm sure, you would have been knocking on the door of corporates, right? It's not a straightforward process. I, I used to work 15 years in telecoms. So, you know, telecoms are as corporate as they can get, right? So, you know, you go in through the wrong door, you could spend a lifetime going in the wrong department for the wrong person. So, especially for a startup, where you don't have a lot of resources, you don't have time to throw at this kind of business development. Let's talk about the challenges in this space and how you sort of structure that in a way. So maybe we can look at it in the context. If we took level three out of the equation and say there wasn't a level three, for someone like Unilever, what kind of challenges would they face in this process where I imagine increasingly, I mean, whether it's Unilever, Nestle, P&G, they're seeking innovation from the outside, aren't mm. they? Because that's where real grassroots insights come from. Take Unilever and then say, right, level three never existed. What would the challenge have been for someone like that? Well, the thing is we have Unilever Foundry, which started before level three. Mm. So um, I think that you do need that um, connection and you, knew, you do need that um, vehicle to help that connection to happen. Mm. Uh, if it only rely on a few, few people in a brand, etc., it's not going to be sustainable. You need people to identify what to work on. You need people to identify startups, um, identify technology that impact uh, what we are doing. But you also need uh, a team who can identify the learnings, share the learnings and the impact. So I think we are slightly, as Unilever, slightly different than other corporates because we had Foundry since mm. uh, 2014 and we started with Foundry. And today, in, when we are looking from the Unilever point of view, we are looking at doing other level three around the world. The first thing I say is before level three, you need to have Foundry. Mm. You need to have a commitment to work with startups. Startups are coming here because they are attracted by Unilever. We And then once they are here, the... The work of, of uh, Adam and Derek is also to explain, well, Unilever is here. We're going to attract people for you. But you have a bigger world out there you can have access to through Level 3. Mm. So, yes, we have that initial element of the corporate world. We have Foundry. But because of, and thanks to Padong, we have a lot more happening around that. So, um, yeah. But, but I think also just bringing in the other corporate partners that are here, yeah. um, that are Unilever's mm. uh, corporate partners as well as ours, people like Cargill came in, you know, the uh, world's second largest private company in the US, they came in, Syngenta is here. Mitsubishi Bank, uh, MUFG, is here. Now, initially people thought, well, but you're not a fintech space. Why mm. would MUFG want to come here? They're very interested in smallholder farmers across the region and how they can help the unbanked farmers by using different types of digital products. And so they're coming in with a different sort of um, lens, if you will. It's not just fintech. It's looking how can they help um, their customers and their customers' customers. And so I guess with the collaboration intent of Foundry, which in a sense is like one-to-one -one, Unilever to a startup that they do a pilot with one-to-one -one. when we go to the next stage of um, innovation open innovation it's ecosystem innovation because it's many-to-many -many, lots of things happening mm. and so there's that whole element of emergence you don't know exactly who's going to work with one another but literally MUFG and Syngenta started talking because I one day just dragged them over to one another and said you guys need to talk you're both doing mm certain things in Thailand, you really need to speak to one another and understand where the opportunities might be. To your earlier point, they might have finally met
met one another, but it would have been a lot of door knocking over a period of time. Just the sheer fact of me grabbing them and saying, mm. come talk. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know that you guys can find something. And they are now in discussions about doing things. And this is what's happening. And when you said, how do you make this happen? It really is that physical kind of stuff of just saying, listen, I spoke to so-and-so yesterday. I think there could be something there. Please, five minutes, come. And it really yeah. is just a five minutes. Here it is. Now it's over to you. And it's doing that multiple times, and it takes a lot of time. I mean, Derek, Barbara, and I spend a lot of time in these Can't quick catch-ups. Yeah. And, and, and back to your earlier point as well about uh, why this is an ecosystem. And back to the fact that we said we had no plan. So just a, a small anecdote. Initially, when we started to engage with corporates, we st went to Unilever partners because they are part of our ecosystem. And that's why we had Syngenta and Cargill first. But the case of MUFG, it was not a natural mm. partner of Unilever. Mm -hmm. But because people started to uh, understand that what we were trying to build... Then we had that opportunity to make the connection and say, well, actually, that could make sense to have a fintech partner or to have someone, as long as they can show us how they plan to impact the ecosystem. So all the partners who are here have a real commitment to engage with startups, not to being here to say, oh, that's cool. I'm going to look at startups and cool stuff and participate to hackathon and share some beers. No, no, no. You come here. You're close to startups. You have to show us first what's your plan. How do you plan to... And, and each of them have their own way to engage with startups mm. and innovation. We're not here to judge or evaluate anything. As long as you can show us your plan to engage with the people here in the community here, we are, we are fine because then we know it's going to attract more people, more startups. What we want is more entrepreneurs. Mm. We want more startups, more technology in the space, talking to each other and developing more things. We have startups who talk to each other, building a product together. And that happened by, I would say, accident and happy accident, but just because people are here to talk to each other. Great. Yeah, I think the informality, uh, I think we, we have always have to remember that because, you know, Adam talked about you know, just grabbing people and having those conversations. I used to run a digital agency. It takes forever to get an appointment with somebody at Unilever. Um, and still today, at, at Padang, we, you know, we try to arrange for a meeting with someone and it says, oh, so-and-so is traveling, so next month. And it's, in, it's incredible because, you know, every, every corporate will tell you that they want to work fast, they want to be innovative. And yet, these sort of um, very small things actually happen and then they prevent things from moving quickly. And a startup can't sit around and wait for a, a meeting that might happen in two months' time. But uh, that's why the, you know, the informal chats, for example, uh, when people bump to someone and have the sort of information, a little bit of information download, like what, what is MEFG looking for? You know, they're not looking for fintech. They're looking to help uh, you know, potential customers like Unilever solve their problems because you know, ultimately something will lead to a transaction. That's where they benefit. But you know, um, all the partners that are here, they're looking for common problems, big problems, big questions to answer. So I think that's uh, actually one of the distinguished, distinguishing points about Level 3. And there is also a lot of technology out there and a lot of startups. So back to Derek's point, if everyone had to take the time to meet everybody, that would make it uh, not sustainable uh, in terms of actually doing also your work. So we have this very good example where there was a logistic team um, who were about to came here for... Um, uh, was, it was a... Um, 
a drink and an evening drink. And uh, I said, I know you don't have time to meet those guys, but there were two startups who were very interesting. I said, but if you come downstairs, it's easier to have an upload of what you're doing over a beer or wine or fruit juice <laughs> rather than sitting in the room planning for a meeting and a PowerPoint mm. and, you know, something very formal. And actually, we have developed a partnership with this specific startup just because we had the opportunity to meet them in a different context uh, Probably you're more open-minded, I don't know, but you are actually more um, available mm. to listen. How yeah. important that is. Yeah. You know, breaking down those walls. That's what it's about, isn't it? I want to talk about the big challenges you've mentioned here and the five pillars and maybe some of the startups here as well. We can sort of talk a little bit about who you've got here so people can understand what kind of environment it is. And I think, you know, really what we've talked about here, how important that is to have that sort of, that access, that informality, and that middle ground as well. You know, you couldn't just plug level three into Unilever. You have to have the foundry as well to onboard. There has to be a process there, a structure that you can take all that informality and all those conversations and turn it into innovation, right? And how important that is to create that space for startups as well. They, they know that they can interface with, corporates because it's a little bit of a scary world for startups and, and likewise for corporates mm -hmm. a little bit scared of startups yeah. because you know they're all there with their skateboards and their you know their cool like lean innovation and all that stuff that's what the kind of the imagery is isn't it, it scares a little bit i mean I, I think back to a friend of mine who um he's the head of uh he's the director of innovation in intel china and he when he set up the innovation space for intel in china they said do it at the headquarters and he fought a year-long battle to say, we're not going to set up this space in HQ. We're going to take it and we're going to set it up at this co-working space. And eventually he won the battle. But his point was, is, look, if you want innovation, it has to be in the middle ground because that's where it happens, right? So let's talk about some of the startups that we have here. You mentioned the five pillars. You mentioned ag tech, food tech as one of those pillars. Can you just elaborate a little bit about what's going on here with those five pillars? Sure. Um, what we're trying to do is um, provide focus. So uh, what distinguishes us from other co-working spaces where but basically you can apply and anybody can come in, which is great, and they serve a fantastic function. What we want is to be very focused around areas that Padang is interested in, has expertise in, but also maps to the interests of Unilever as a whole. And so food and agri-tech. Um, and we're looking at big questions in each of these. For instance, we believe that we have to reinvent how we're going to feed the world. As we move from 7 billion to 10 billion people by 2050, we can't feed the world in the way that we are today. The food system is fundamentally broken, my personal view. I'm not... Uh, and there's a big sustainability issue attached mm. to that, which actually is the, the second pillar. Um, the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan is a, you know, the foundation, the rock for all things Unilever. And so we're very interested in all forms of different um, sustainable uh, growth technology, whether it's looking at energy management, water management, food waste, food loss, plastic, packaging, a whole bunch of issues there. And then the third one is data and AI. I mean, no business can run without good data, and certainly AI will never deliver the hype unless we have data. So we're established a centre of excellence here around uh, data and AI uh, with one of the startups, Ocean Protocol, which is a really exciting initiative. And then fourthly, uh, logistics and e-commerce. 
again, I mean, Unilever in a sense mm-hmm. is a logistics company. It's moving things from farm to field uh, or from factory to table. And so it's all about that movement. And particularly as we uh, develop and grow into ASEAN, the digital transformation. And as part of that, we go from general trade, modern trade to e-commerce. What are the trends? How's it going to uh, change? So big issues there, really important ones. And uh, the, the fifth one or the first one, depending which order you say them, advertising and marketing technology, which obviously is hugely impactful for Unilever being such a large advertiser, but also it's all about getting the right messages out. So if we're talking about sustainability, how do we make people understand the importance of sustainability? How, how do we get the right messages out around nutrition or health, all these sorts of things? So advertising and marketing technology is not just about selling more product. It's mm. about getting the right messages to the right people at the right time and, frankly, at the right price. Yeah, and you partner with WPP here as well. Is it? Well, yeah, um, so it's part of uh, it, they are part of Unilever ecosystem, mm. uh, Unilever ecosystem. Yeah. So how can we? And it, it started because startups say very uh, simply, like, yeah, we work with Unilever, but we very often hear about those guys, the Mindshare, Gilvi, and as, but we don't understand what they're doing. Mm. So we be, we think they know, but actually, even if their startup is about marketing and ad tech, they don't know how it works. So I said, well, that's a good point. Let's try to do something for you to better understand them. Mm. And we had the opportunity. We, 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 we pitched them the idea. Would you like to be part of it? I'm sure you have, and they do have an innovation team. You know, people who are here to develop relationships with startups as well. Why don't you do it here? Why don't you come closer to us? At the same time, you will be closer to your client uh, here. So it's a win-win. And mm. they came. Yeah. That's your world, isn't it? The... Uh you would prefer? Or were you uh, yeah, that used to be my world. Yeah, that's um, right. So. Yeah, it, it, it's um, it's it, it, just picking up on that. And it's it's really interesting how um, all those years ago, um, you know, being in the digital agency world and having those conversations with clients, like uh, this online thing is like, why should I bother? It's just so much trouble um it's like uh, and then and then they started to evolve like okay tell me what i need to do mm. and then suddenly it became like my daughter's been playing with this thing tell me what i need to do um and then now is the air we breathe and it feels like this whole this whole thing about working with startups mm. um we're having exactly the same conversations right now it's like um Oh, it's so much trouble, you know. It's gonna not. It's not gonna bring me any material difference. Um, like you know, if I've spent ten percent of my time, it's not gonna move the needle at all. Next year, or maybe, maybe you know, I'm not gonna see it in the next five years. But um, our bet is that um, in five years' time, you know, everyone's gonna come to us and say, "Okay, I know I need to do this. Hmm. Tell me what I need to do." Yeah. And I think Unilever now has established this um, first mover advantage. Uh, they've got a very established program in Foundry, and Level Three is actually a big proof point mm-hmm. of their intent, um, because every corporate will say, "I'm, you know, I'm innovative. I've got an innovation department. I've got a director of innovation." Uh, they've got, but you know, the, they have got a range of remits, um, and I think Barbara is one of the most powerful direct innovation directors in Singapore, um, and 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 because you know she, she has these appropriate mm. platforms um, and to prove to startups that Unilever can work and want to work with startups. Mm. Yeah, what's it like for 
uh, Unilever from their perspective? Because for a startup, there's obvious benefits, which is, you know, they get access to resources and distribution and expertise that you have in a large corporate, which you don't necessarily have in a startup. From the other side, what's it like on the more human angle when Unilever corporates work with startups? What are sort of the, the benefits, maybe some of the 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 fuzzy benefits that they get from working around these kind of people and us breaking, breaking down those walls and a bit more understanding on both sides? I think they, they have a better understanding of uh, the meaning of uh, doing more with less yeah. as well, I would say. They have a better... They have actually... They, they, you know, we talk about the entrepreneur mindset. Mm. Uh, we have to all be entrepreneur, be entrepreneur, uh, be more agile, etc., the, the best way to understand it is to actually to, to see it mm. and to understand and to see how an entrepreneur reacts when they are connecting with you and when, when you have a meeting with an entrepreneur. The, the thing is also to understand, um, and that's what I'm trying to do in the two I talk, I realize that they are not talking the same language. And uh, that was very true three years ago. Mm. But now it's getting a lot better, especially here, because they are used to talk to each other because of all those uh, opportunities they have to, to meet. So talking the same language, what success look like for Unilever is not what success look like for a startup. So how can we help them to have that common understanding of what mm. would be our scope of work and KPIs so both can win from each other? Uh, but when you look at the success of our uh, mentoring program, I think, and this is the third cohort, mm. I think that's a good proof point that people enjoy that. They enjoy it from um, from the Unilever point of view. It's like, they, I'm learning as much as I'm trying to help them. Mm. I understand what they are working on. I understand their, the vision that they have while we are taken into our current role. Um, and then and they also understand what agility means and, and speed in action, etc., so, yeah. How, can we talk a little bit about that mentoring program? Mm -hmm. How does that... Can you give us some examples of how it actually works? Yes. I know you said more with less. Your CFO would be delighted to hear that, right? So, But the actual... For the mentors themselves, what do they get out of it? I think... Um, we, we try to make this program as structured as possible, actually, to make sure that you are not just ticking a box on mm. your LinkedIn resume. You are actually here to make connections. Um, people are also learning what it is to mentor. Mentoring is not coaching. Mentoring is not being an internal salesperson for a startup. So um, it's, it's really to develop those conversations and try to better understand what the startups want to achieve. And um, you as an internal universe trying to build your expertise to them. And what they get, I think it's... Um, an opportunity to see what's happening outside, an opportunity to see a startup growing, mm. uh, flourishing, uh, pivoting as well, or also dying, mm. because sometimes it just doesn't Absolutely. work. So, so they actually see the reality of what it is to be an entrepreneur. Mm. I think they feel they like the program because they feel they, they have a certain impact um, within their own uh, scale and power, but they, they, they feel they can actually help and uh, startups are thankful for that, thankful for that as well. Mm. Not all the mentor, mentee goes um, well. Some people just meet two or three times and some actually, oh, we have one, actually she become part of the board of the startup, I think, right? Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have the, loud, the whole spectrum of the benefit of being a mentee and a mentor. 
Great. Do you think now, looking at this, stepping back from level three, um, that this is a model for innovation across every corporate in the future? Will it look like this? Do you think that what you're doing is innovating innovation in a way? Because a lot of corporates have tried in this space and now we're seeing Unilever move in the right direction. And now you've, you've got the onboarding there with the foundry, that's the interface to plug into level three effectively, right? Is that the model? Do you see the PNGs and the Crafts and the Nestle's and the Cokes and the AMVs doing this? this well, every major corporate is doing something uh, at the moment, as you say. But w we do see this as kind of enterprise-led co-working. So it's a bit different to other co-working spaces, and it's different to other innovation programs. Uh, we certainly see this as replicable uh, for other organisations. It won't be exactly the same because of the fundamental differences, the size of Unilever, the commitment of Unilever and the existence of Foundry. Um, they're, they're really important differentiators. And, you know, if we're looking to B to C or B to B, there are it will be different. Um, but uh, we as Padang are speaking to other corporates, both in Singapore and across the region, who are interested in this program, because certainly the Unilever Foundry program is well regarded globally, and lots of people come here. We have many visitors. Uh, hey, can we hear more about the program? Barbara is doing lots of presentations on that, as do we. So definitely we will see more of this. Our particular plans are to um, accelerate the, the growth of this program and um, set up other sites over the course of this year. Okay. If I'm a startup here in Singapore, even looking at basing in Singapore, I may be in one of your five pillars, one of your spaces. Um, what do I do? What, what are the processes that need to go through to connect with level three and unit let's say maybe i don't even know that there's a connection with unilever is that then relevant to me do i can i come here if i'm not working with unilever it's not completely relevant to me what are your criteria for startups coming here um anyone can apply um to to be a member of level three and take up space either you know um, take a permanent spot um or just host desking or even just a community membership um they don't have to work with Unilever but mm. most of them will aspire to work with Unilever or the likes of Unilever and we always advise uh, startups that are too young to reconsider the application because uh, we believe that the startups that most benefit from being at level 3 are those who are product ready and those mm. who are ready to scale because uh, even if you think you have the most innovative and most relevant product to Unilever for example if you're not ready to scale then you're not ready to work with them um, and working with them could actually kill you. So, you know, um, but they, we've got a number of startups to understand that and they are here to learn. Mm. And this is how we add value to them. So, you know, we don't give up free beer, but we give up free lessons and free hugs. Yeah. How do you compete on that? That note with the WeWorks of this world who give out the free beers and the, I think they've got yoga classes at 12 o'clock as well today. So how do you compete with all of that? It, it, you know, I think it's a little bit gimmicky in some respects, but for uh, startups, they like to work in fun environments sometimes. Yeah. So. so we have a board beat. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, you mentioned the skateboards earlier. Um, none of our startups here, none of the startups here um, have skateboards. Scooters. Um, or, or scooters, actually. For scooters. Um, <laughs> so Singapore. Thing, they, right? they tend to be a little bit more mature and yeah. a lot of them uh, were ex-corporate people and they really understand the landscape. They'll understand where the problems are. They have the corporate connections, mm. the networks. 
um, and they're ready to launch their ventures because they know, the, you know, the, the problem they want to solve and how to go about scaling their business. Mm. So they're here um, because you know they want to do business. Um, so actually, we one one distinguishing feature of uh, level three is that actually we got very very few. Actually, I think we only have two freelancers based here. And and we only just sort of welcome them because they they work a lot with startups, so they are helping the other startups on the floor with some of the creative work or some copywriting and things like that. Um, but um, you know, these are all uh, people who are here with with a focus um, mm. to come to do business, to find business, um, to scale to the rest of the region, and and that's actually um, something that um, you don't get in in many other other co working spaces because um, the you know basically for them it's come all uh, come one come all um, it's it's pretty generic um, and and for ourselves and because our programs are based around the five pillars as well. Um, we do attract other people to come here mm. and 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 and, uh, and sort of accelerate the growth and development of some of these um, uh, pillars. Okay, great. Turning it over to you, Barbara. I think this is important as well. Is that with Unilever, there'll be people who listen to this and say, "I'm from Unilever. I might not know you yet. I know of you, but we're not connected." I'm really interested in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm interested because it may be relevant to a project I'm working on, or it may be just something that interests me personally. How do I get involved? You know, do I have to be in Singapore? Do I have to be connected with the foundry? Because I think a key part of doing a podcast like this is planting a flag inside mm-hmm. Unilever and in the startup ecosystem as well, and saying, "Hey, we're here." Mm-hmm. It's like the old-fashioned newsletter, right? Yep. So I'm from Unilever. What do I do? Um, very good question. Uh, you send me an email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we we do have also those old-fashioned uh, newsletter and uh, and etc. The, the the thing is, I'm trying to make sure that everybody in the organization have the opportunity to connect with Foundry. So we organize uh, as a Foundry a lot of um, events and opportunity for people to to connect um, in Singapore, but also in the region. So I'm going into the region and talk to people. Um, I think as as long as uh, people are have in mind a project or a problem statement that they have, they know that they can tap into uh, the Foundry Mm. um, uh, community. Uh, we are a very lean team, but we are extremely available. Uh, so always uh, happy to share uh, coffees and share, you know, learnings that we had from other pilots and etc. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite good with emails, trying to responding to people quite fast. Um, coming down, if you are based in Singapore, just come down come, to the yeah. country. Reach out, come along, yep. have a coffee, yep. have a chat. That's how it starts, isn't it? Fantastic. This is level three. We are in the level three space in Singapore. So if you're a startup, reach out, come over, have a chat with Derek and Adam. Um, see where the fit is. If you're a Unilever, reach out to Barbara. If you're a corporate partner, all of the above as well. Yeah. Especially if you have a, a, you know, a program which fits in with one of those five pillars as well. So we'll publish all these in the show notes as well. So this is Graham Brown from Asia Tech Podcast. We're on a tour of co-working spaces in Asia. Today we are at the Enterprise Co-working Space Level 3. And um, thank you to Adam for setting all of this up, making this this conversation here happen today. And the first of a few, I hope, 
we're going to go a bit deeper and talk about some of your pillars and some of the startups that you have here, some of the, the projects that you're working on, the, the events as well. And um, thank you to Barbara for coming downstairs today <laughs> from upstairs. And Derek as well. Nice to meet you. Um, signing off from Level 3. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you thank very you. much. Thanks. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.